I'm Jim Brown. I'm your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I've been teaching to you uh, several subjects. I've been teaching to you about the kingdom of God. Now, the world has got some idea about the kingdom of God. And it is not. It is not. So the so-called millennium, M-I-L-L-E-N, I-U-M. It's not the millennium. Millennium is the word mill and annum. Mill means thousand. And annum means years. Kingdom of God is not a thousand year reign after this is all over with. I'm going to go back to one of my favorite verses when you're talking about the end of time. The end of time comes when Christ says time is no more. And that's at the sounding of the seventh trump or the last trumpet of Revelation in Revelation 8, 9, And ten, you've got seven trumpets sounding. Now, a trumpet is a voice. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 14 chapter. If a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, how are the soldiers going to know what to do? You, You have to have a specific sound when a trumpet sounds. The sound of the trumpet... Tells the soldier what to do. Da, 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 that's charge. Or if it goes da 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 That is revelry. It means to time to get up and eat. And when you hear taps, it's time to go to bed. That gives the message to the soldiers what they have to do. So these trumpets, they are Voices. Every time you see a trumpet, it's a voice. That's the only reason for a trumpet sounding, to tell the soldiers what they have to do. Well, you've got seven trumpets in Revelation 8, 9, and 10. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one and 52, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump. At the last. I've said this probably so many times in these last weeks. At the last trump. You've got seven trumpets, son, in eight, nine, and ten. And in the tenth chapter, verse seven. You got the last of seven trumpets sounding. And this is what it says here in Revelation 10 and 7. It's talking about when Christ comes back. He's got one foot on the land and the other on the sea. And he says, And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea, in verse 5, and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven, And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven 
and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things that therein are, that there should be time no longer, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. I've said this so many times before, mystery of God. God's mystery is the church. He said so in Ephesians the third chapter and Ephesians the fifth chapter. That's the church. The reason it's a mystery is because God doesn't reveal himself to everybody. In that tenth chapter of Luke, the Bible speaks of who this mystery is for. When you look at mystery, you got to look at a word that's the exact opposite of mystery in order to understand this. Mystery is the word musterion, M-U-S-T-E-R-I-O-N. Musterion is the word mystery. It comes from the word muo, meaning to shut the mouth. We get our word mute from that. Well, the exact opposite of mystery is revealed. Revealed or revelation revealed is the word apo k-a-l-u-p-t-o it comes from two words apo meaning a removal and calupto which is the word cover it's a removal of the cover that's the exact opposite of mystery and in the 10th chapter of Luke, when you go over there, here's how the, you can tell what the mystery is. God doesn't reveal himself to many. He reveals himself to few. That's his elect. That's his elect. And he says here in Revelation 10, I mean, excuse me, Luke 10, that in that hour, verse 21, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent of this world and hast revealed apocalypto them unto babes, and we're babes in Christ. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, And no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who for the Father is but the Son, and one other person. And he to whom the Son will reveal apocalypto him. Take the cover off. And according to the Bible, that's only few. Now, so, we're in this 10th chapter of Revelation. So the mystery is the church. Every time you find God's revealing himself to his church, that's apocalypto. You find the mystery, that's musterian. The unrevealed facts, only few will have this revealed to them. Now we're talking about several words connected with this. We're talking about the kingdom of God. People think the kingdom is the millennium at the sounding of the seventh trumpet time is over 
And that's at the end of time. So there is no seven-year tribulation after the end of time. And there is no thousand-year reign. And we've said before that has to be 2,000. Mainly because of what it says in that 20th chapter of Revelation that the reason Satan will be bound bound is the word dio means forbidden he'll be forbidden from deceiving the nations for this it's not thousand years I don't want to have to go into the explanation again for it it's at least two thousand or more because nation nation is the word ethnos e-t-h-n-o-s and he won't be able to deceive the nations and ethnos is also the exact same word as Gentiles. There is a 2,000-year period from Acts 2, I believe, to the end of time. Acts 2. That's somewhere in the neighborhood of 33 to 35 A.D. Until the end of time. And that will be a 2,000-year period where the Gentile elect cannot be deceived by Satan. Elect. Now, at the at the signing of the last trump, the seventh trumpet, the mystery of God, the church, will be finished. The word finished, teleos, T-E-L-E-I-O-T-E-S, means complete. The last one will come into the fold at that time. Complete. And... What is the kingdom of God if it's not if it's not the millennium? See, premillennialism was brought to America by a man named J. N. Darby. And he had a young girl stand up in one of his meetings in London and she said I've had a vision. I'm 14 years old, and I think that God's going to come back uh, in a pre-trib rapture. And he built that entire doctrine on some 14-year-old girl's, girl's testimony. He brought it to America, and a man named C.I. Schofield got a hold of it. That's in the Schofield Bible. And he preached and propagated that he is the guy responsible for getting all the world. And when I was a little kid, all the other kids said, I'd like to get a Schofield Bible. I want to tell you, don't get one of them. Because he's got some of the worst notes in it that you can ever read. And that's one of them right there. And he propagated above everybody. Now, I'm talking about what is it that gets us into... The kingdom of God. Well, I believe what gets us into the kingdom is baptism. Now, that's exactly what got people into Israel. Into Israel, they had... Let me see if I've got something here that I can read to you. I've told you about this, and I need to just read it to you. The Pharisees had what they called a halakha. When Israel was after 500 years, 
where they went after Baal and the grove and Shemosh and Molech and, and Osiris, Osiris and Isis and all those other gods of the pagans around them. Baal grove, after they went after all of that, God said, I'll send the sword, the famine, the pestilence. And finally, after you just will not repent, I will send the beast to carry you into captivity. So he sent he sent northern Israel, he sent Assyria in to carry him away into captivity. And they were going to be in captivity for 2,600 years until May 14th, 1948. And southern Judah was carried away in the captivity in 586 B.C. Southern Judah was southern Israel. Southern Israel. If this is Israel here. If that's Israel. Southern Israel is Judah. And southern Israel was named after the the favored tribe of Judah out of which the king would come. And southern Judah was comprised of Judah and Benjamin. And the reason Benjamin, you can see it on a map over here. Reason Benjamin, because Saul was the first king of Israel, but he was a false king because the king has to come out of Judah. And when you go over here and you look at Benjamin and Judah. Benjamin, if you notice, Jerusalem is in the land of Benjamin. So if you're going to have the king of Israel, God has to put Benjamin with southern Judah. There's a reason he put Simeon down here. I believe that's to protect Simeon from attacking other people because Simeon, the second born of Jacob, was a scoundrel. He was always in trouble doing things. Now, I want to show you They said, during the days of Jesus, only Judah was back from the captivity. Northern Israel was called the Ten Lost Tribes. When Northern Israel was carried away, I've said this so many times, the Assyrians came in, had Northern Israel carried away, but not only carried away, the Assyrian armies came in and planted themselves in there, moved in, brought their gods with them, and intermixed their gods with Jehovah worship in northern Israel. That's why Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4, you worship, you know not what, it's a mixed religion. So, so they would come to Jesus. The Pharisees would come to Jesus. They had they came back from the captivity in Babylon. While they were in Babylon, they said we have to have a method of worship. So they implemented the law of Israel. But what they did, they brought it into Babylon, and Babylon had, it had a, it had a, uh, oops, thought that was me. 
All right. Babylon had an Aramaic dialect of the Hebrew. But it just because it was Aramaic, it didn't mean they could translate it into, Hebrew, into, into Aramaic. So what they did, they translated this law over into the Babylonian Aramaic and they had to completely redo the law and they translated from Hebrew to Aramaic. Not just to Aramaic, they had they had the Aramaic dialects all over the world. So they had what they did, they translated to Babylonian Aramaic and then they said we have to have somebody to explain what these laws are. Explain what these laws meant. So they had a head rabbi over here, head rabbi, and the rabbis had a head rabbi, and he would put his spin on these 613 laws. Now, I don't know that there were 613. That's what the translator said there was. If I counted them myself, I'd probably come up with a different number. So they translated him over to this, and they said they had a they had to have a translator, a translator. They called that translation the Targum. Targum. And they translated over here, and when they got it over here in the the Babylonian Aramaic, they said we have to have somebody to explain what these verses meant so they had the head rabbi put his spin or his opinion on the verses and they called that the halakha the halakha h-a-l-a-k-a-h the halakha and then they had a haggadah h-a-g I'll get it in a minute. H A G G A G G A D A H. They had a dance called the Haggadah, but with one G. So this is Halakha, and they said the Halakha was a spoken verbal word of God. That's very important to know that. Spoken verbal word. But they could not write this halakha down. So anytime a new head head rabbi would come in and this rabbi would die, they'd appoint a new one, and then he could add his opinions as to what those verses meant. So when you come down to Jesus' day, You've had all these rabbis putting their spin on what the Bible meant. And Jesus attacks the Pharisees on this in his first message in the fifth chapter of Matthew and says, you have lied about these things. Now, so in their halakha, they had a Haggadah, which was garbage. It was just opinions about foolish things. And that's what eventually ended up, they called it the Talmud. 
the Talmud. In this halakha, one of the things that they said a man had to do, they said if he was coming from some other nation, Greece, Rome, Spain, he was coming over here to become a member of Israel. He had to forsake everything, all of his property over there, all of his position. He had to come here with nothing in his possession to Israel. And if he was going to, he would apply for citizenship. Citizenship. And that citizenship was called polis, P-O-L-I-S. And we get our word politic from that. Politic. So he applied for citizenship. The way he became a citizen of Israel, he had to be circumcised. He had to be washed in water. And he had to offer two turtle doves, two turtle doves at the temple. And that would make him a proselyte of the gate. And he would be now be a citizen of Israel. He could partake in their Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Ingathering. You had to be circumcised. That's why the Bible says to the Colossian Gentile church, you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. And he says to the Gentile church at Colossia, you are baptized with the baptism of Christ. So, you cannot, you're baptized into the kingdom, but not by water, by blood. Now, so, where was I going to go with this? So they had to go through all of this, and that is more or less an imitation of what we have to go through. We have to be circumcised, And that is what First Peter, the third chapter says. Let's look at that. So we get into the kingdom the way they said, except it's not literal circumcision, it's spiritual circumcision. And you get over here into First Peter. Here's how we come into the kingdom. First Peter, the well, I'm in the wrong, wrong one here. Okay, First Peter, the third chapter. Speaking of the Gentiles, verse twenty, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was a preparing wherein few, same word, oligos, few will enter into the narrow way. Few, that is, eight souls were saved 
It says by water in your King James Bible. That's not what it says in the original text. It says dia. And if you pick up a uh, interlinear Bible, look at the word by, it's dia. It means through. They were saved through the water. The water wasn't the baptism. The water was the judgment of God. They were saved. He says, The like figure wherein even baptism doth also now save us. We are saved, sozo, by baptism. But baptism is not water, it's blood. Now when I say baptism is blood, somebody will inevitably call me or write to me and say, what do you mean we're dipped in blood? No. A blood baptism was a figure of speech. It meant a death. You can get that in any number of my books. It was a death. It was a death to self. But how long does it take to circumcise us? Well, circumcise means cutting off of the filth of the flesh. He says here, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. It's not literal circumcision. Baptism is cutting off. It's putting on Christ. Put on Christ. But you have to put off, put off the works of the flesh, works of flesh. Now you've got putting off the works of the flesh. You're going to find that very emphatic in Colossians, the third chapter. You're going to find that's going to be spiritual circumcision. Colossians, the third chapter, 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, it's going to specifically say, put off, or put on, excuse me. It's going to say put off, and then it's going to say put on. Put on it's going to say put on put on that is our salvation what we put on and in Romans the 7th chapter Romans the 7th chapter you cannot put on all of a sudden that anytime you see put on it is this word in duo in duo means to sink into clothing. And the clothing that we sink into, when the Bible says in Galatians 3.27, as many of you have been baptized into Christ, that has to be blood. Have put on Christ, but you don't ever come out of it. You've put on, you sink into the clothing. How do you know the clothing is baptism? Because the Bible says 
in Revelation, the first chapter, verse 5 and 6. He's washed us from our sins in his own blood. And Peter is, or not Peter, John is around the throne of God in that seventh chapter. And there are men from every nation, tongue, and tribe. And the Bible says that the angel asked John, do you know who these are? And he said, no. And he said, you know, angel. And he said, well, who are they? He said, these are those whose robes have made made white in the blood of Christ. They're clothed in robes of white that are made white in the blood. In a blood determines denotes righteousness. So anytime you say put on, put on, in duo, sink into this clothing, that's clothing you never take off. Anytime you see put on, and it's talking about salvation, it's going to be the same thing as every other time you find it. Put on, in duo, and it is the blood of Christ. That's our clothing. That's our righteousness. White is always a picture of righteousness. So every time we see put on, let me read this to you. This comes out of Mr. Edersheim's Life in Times of Jesus the Messiah. I've had so many people tell me, Reading that book is so difficult. I know it is. You've got all kinds of Caesars and all kinds of of uh, high priests and all kinds of men uh, that are running for high priest. And if you look in the back of of the of this book, this is life and times of Jesus the Messiah. I've had everybody say it's so hard to read. I said I know that. But you look in the look in the index volume and look up baptism. Uh, listen to this. Christ's baptism will not be a preparatory repentance and with water, but the divine baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire. You've heard me say this many times. Holy Ghost and fire. Holy Ghost and fire was a stoic term. I found a book down here at a bookstore one time, and it said on the front of it, and they had all these books sitting out on the sidewalk uh, and on a special, and they were trying to get rid of the books, and those are the kind of books I want. So I saw the title on this, Harvest of Hellenism. Harvest of Hellenism. Hellas was a term for Greece. Hellas was a term for Greece. The culturalization of Greece to all of the civilized world. That's what it, if you can get a book on Hellenism, get it. And it'll tell you that in this harvest of Hellenism, what in the world was that? The Stoics, the man who started Stoicism was a man named Zeno. 
And he said, all of our universe, he called it by the title of cosmos. The cosmos was our universe, all the stars and all of this. He said it was one living, breathing entity. I am a living, breathing entity. Yeah, I'm made up of all of these corpuscles and all of these juices running through my circulatory system and my cardiac system and the whole thing. I'm a living entity. And he said that this entity had life in it. Now, this was around 300, 320 B.C. That was 320 years, or Jesus is 33 years old when he is baptizing on the Jordan. John is 33 years old, baptizing on the Jordan River. So this was at least 353 years before John the Baptist. And he made the statement, I baptized with water. That was a proselyte baptism. But there comes one after me. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Holy Hagios Pneuma. We got our word pneumonia from that. It's a breathing problem. So it means holy breath and fire. It was said that Mr. Zeno said that in this Stoic philosophy had that all the universe received life in the cosmos by holy pneuma and purr. That's what they said he received life. So when Jesus is baptizing, I've said this before, he John is baptizing in Matthew, the third chapter. And he says, I baptize with water. There comes water for me. He'll baptize the Holy Ghost and fire. And then Jesus goes through his ministry and he comes down to the end of his life. He's crucified. He goes to his, he goes to his apostles in northern Galilee and says, go into all the world. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now, do you think he's talking about his water baptism or his own Holy Spirit baptism? He's not talking about water. He's not even talking about water according to the word in. That word in there is E-I-S baptizing them, sinking into, but not coming out of. None of the words in, I in, mean to move into and come out of. Even the word that that Peter used in Acts 2.38, one men and brethren, what shall we do, they said. And he said, repent and be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That word in is epi. It means to cover with. Doesn't mean to dip into and come out of. And then there's one other word, en. And that's used over in Acts 10.48. And Peter's relating his adventure there at the house of Cornelius, 
at Cornelius when he said, I went over to the house of Cornelius and I commanded him to be baptized, to be baptized in, in the name. Now that word in is not either one of these. It's not epi. It's not ice. That word is the word en. But when en is used with an infinitive to be baptized, when you look that up in a parsing guide or in an analytical lexicon, it'll tell you I-N-F. It's an infinitive. An infinitive is a verbal noun. That is a noun and it looks like a verb, but it's not. It's one word in the Greek. Baptisthenai, B-A-P-T-I-S-T-H-E-N-A-I. It means it means to be baptized. When en is used with an infinitive, it only means with or by. It does not mean into. It means baptized, be baptized with the name. Name is the word onoma. And it means authority. Be baptized with God's authority. What is His authority? His Word. Thy Word is truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. Be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's what gets us into the kingdom of God. Let me read this to you. This is out of out of uh, Mr. Edersheim's Life and Times of Jesus and the Messiah. What John preached that he had also symbolized by a rite, which though not in itself, yet in its application, was wholly new. Hitherto the law had it that those who had contracted Levitical defilement were to immerse before offering sacrifice, before offering the two turtle doves. Again it was prescribed that such Gentiles as became proselytes of righteousness are proselytes of the covenant. That's where they came from another nation to come in and receive this naturalization process. Were to be admitted to full participation in the privileges of Israel by the threefold rites, circumcision, baptism, and sacrifice. That's what they said made you a member of Israel. So this is an imitation of what the real truth is. Corresponding to that of Levitical uncleanness, but never before had been proposed that Israel should undergo a baptism of repentance, although there are indications of the deeper insight into the meaning of Levitical baptisms. So a true baptism has to do with blood. He's washed. And if you will, there is no possible way that Jesus could have, could have been telling his apostles, go into all the world and teach all nations, dipping them in water. Not it. Baptize, I've said it a thousand times. If I've said it once. 
baptized comes from two words. What amazes me, look it up in your concordance. It's in your concordance. The first time I read it 50 years ago in my concordance, I went, what? I went, that's when I really baptized. Being dipped in water has confused me since I was a kid. My father, I'd walk down and say, well, that other baptism doesn't work, Jimmy. You've got to be dipped in water every time you come down the aisle. And since you really didn't know you're saved, now you know you're saved. Now you've got to be dipped in water every time. He dipped me in water about four times. Two other preachers dipped me twice. It was worthless. Baptized comes from two words. This is what your concordance will say. Baptizo means to whelm. Now, to whelm does not mean to immerse. If you get one of the later model concordances, it might say to immerse. They have adjusted those, some of these modern guys, and it doesn't mean that. To whelm means to overwhelm. If you are overwhelmed with something, it covers you up. It doesn't dip you. And then it'll say, see, bapto. And bapto will say, stain with a dye. That's when the Bible says, baptism does also now save us the same way they were saved in the ark. The ark was pitched in within and without with pitch. The first word pitch is the word kafar. It means to cover all over. This has the same meaning as baptizo. And the second word pitch is kofar. It means to cover with a stain or dye. They said that pitch of the ark was a red stained caulking. And we don't know it came out of trees or out of a geyser out of the ground. And they're not really sure, but it stained and dyed the boat so that it didn't sink. They were saved by the pitch, by the baptism. And so are we. And that's not something we do. It has to come from an outer source. A flood from an outer source to stain and to die. And that is what causes us to death to self. It's done by God upon our lives. How long does it take you to be circumcised and cut off self? It takes a long time. Every time you find put on. Well, let's go through some of those things on put on. Put on is the baptism. As many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Well, you don't take it off, do you? No. You don't take off Christ. Now, what I've done, I've gone through all these places where put on is in the Bible. Look over here in uh, in Romans, the 13th chapter. This might kind of wreck some people's ways. All right. 
verse 12, 13. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on in duo, clothed in clothing. It doesn't matter that the fact it says put on the armor of light. Armor is for your protection, isn't it? And that what it's for? A blood baptism is death to self. That's for your protection. When you cease to think about yourself, you're thwarting all attacks upon you. The same thing that armor does. So a blood baptism is our, is our protection. Now, let's, let's keep on going through some more of these. All right. And he, I already went through this over here in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And right after he says, we'll be changed at the last trump, he says in verse 52, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. The word corruption is phthero, P-H-T-H-E-I-R-O. P-H. This is the word corruptible, P-H-T-H-E-I-R-O. That's corrupt. Remember the alpha primitive in front of a word? The first letter of the Greek alphabet, it will say in the definition from, from A or from one as a neg part. That means from one in your concordance, which is the alpha, as a negative particle in front of a word, negates the word and gives an opposite meaning. Uncorruptible is alpha thero. Corrupt is thero. So that's what he's saying right here. And when, and this corrupt must put on incorruption, the thero must put on thero, which means to ruin. So when this corruptible hath put on incorruption, this mortal hath put on immortality, immortality, this mortal, is the word T-H-R-E-S-T-O-S, T-H-R-E-S-T-O-S, T-H-R-E-S-T-O-S. When you place the alpha in front of that, you get the opposite. Must put on immortality, arthros. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Now let's go to the next place. Blood baptism is what saves us. He washes from our sins in his own blood. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. When the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies, and he would go into the Holy of Holies behind that veil, he'd sprinkle the Ark of the Covenant seven times. And 
That is what saved. When the people believed that out there in Israel, that was looking forward to Christ. And that word atonement is the word kafar. It's the same word as pitch. That's the word atonement. So atonement is what saves us. Baptism is what saves us. Not water. Blood. And that's death to self. So, let's go on here. Let me give you something else. All right. Galatians 3.27, as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. And that's Galatians 3.27. And then he goes on into Ephesians 4 and verse 22. He's talking about false teaching all through here. Then he says, that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man. Put off is the word apotithome. This is the word put off. A-P-O-T-I-T-H-E-M-I. Apo means a removal. Tithome. T I T. H-E-M-I. Tithomai means to lay away. To lay away the old man put off concerning the former conversation. Conversation is the word Anna. Hold on a second. It means mode of living or conversation. It means put away the old man and the way he lived and the way he conversed and the way he talked. Put that off. And it actually means to be unclothed Put off the old man, unclothe yourself of him, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Deceitful, apate means apate, A-P-A-T-E. You got two words that are common, commonly used for deceitful, apate and planeo. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on that's by the way every time god god directs us to put on it's always an imperative mood it's an imperative it's a command and put on the new man which after this is baptism as many of you have been baptized into Christ have put on. So this is going to be the same thing as baptism. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, therefore putting away lying, apotithome. Get rid of the old man. 
Don't stretch or embellish anything. Say it the way it is. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are, the, we are members one of another. Now let me give you another put on. This is the same thing as putting on Christ, being baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Anytime you find being put on something, it's still the same thing as being baptized into Christ, have put on. When he says here in Ephesians 6 and verse 11, put on the armor, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word stand means to to be histame. It's the word histame. H-I-S-T-E-M-I. Histame. It means to stand or be upright. Being honest and upright in everything you do, put on that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then he goes into all this and he says, Wherefore, taking you the whole armor of God. And he names all of the armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. That's, And then he says, Stand therefore, histome. Stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. The loins, they would pull their skirts up between their loins and tie it up if they're going on a journey or going to work. And he says, gird up your loins with truth. Truth is the word aletheia. That goes everywhere you find it. A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. Your loins girt about with A L E T H E I A. Comes from Lanthano. Notice how many times these words are mentioned all through the Bible. Lanthano means to hide or conceal. The Alpha Privity negates the word means not to hide anything. So when you have your loins girt about with truth, you don't hide nothing. You tell all the truth all the time, define all the words. having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate, the breastplate is the armor that protects you. That's death to self. That's a blood baptism. That Death to self and the armor that protects you are the same thing. Because if you don't, if you stop worrying about your future and your job and where, and everything you have and what you're going to need, if you quit worrying about those things, then you stop worrying about whether you're going to be successful or not. Your protection is having this blood baptism on that thwarts all the arrows of Satan. Death to self is our protection. Your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is the word dikaya osune. D-I-K-A-I-O-S-U-N-A. You say, Jim, I don't know what righteousness is. Yes, you do. It comes from D-I-K-E, which is the word right. 
All you have to do is examine yourself and see what's right and do it. And then he says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Peace. Where does peace come from? E-I-R-E-N-A. To bring together into one. It's the exact opposite of breaking in pieces. Those who don't believe God, he will break in pieces and scatter abroad. Scatter abroad. And the Bible says in Psalms 119, 165. Got too many ones in there. 119, 165. 119, 165. Great peace have they that love thy law. So, if you have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, you got them shod with the people who love the law of God and will not transgress against it. Above all, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. That word quench is the word asbestos. That's what quenches the fire of Satan. And when you, when you, when you have the shield of faith, you've got everywhere faith is mentioned in the Bible. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing will bear the basic same word. Faith speaketh on this wise. And then in Romans 1 and 5, we have to be obedient to the faith. And Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You go through all these verses on faith. Faith worketh by love, by agape. So that's what protects you when you're going through all these things. All right. How much time do you have, Mike? 35. All right. Let me see here. What saves us is... Putting off these things and putting on Christ. Let me open up my other Bible. I've got a bunch of notes here. All right. Colossians. Colossians, the third chapter, is going to tell you all about putting off the old man and putting on the new. Colossians, the third chapter. He says here, You're going to put off the old man. How long does it take? Putting off the old man is being circumcised of this outer man. You've got two men in you. You've got an outer man and an inner man. The inner man, the Bible says, this is what Paul said. This is what Paul said. The inner man, the outer man, serves the law of the flesh, serves flesh. And the inner man serves the law of God. Law 
of God. That's what the inner man serves. And we find that in Romans, the seventh chapter, 725. Now, you're going to find more about putting off or spiritual circumcision in this chapter and in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, and in in first in Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, along with Romans, the seventh chapter. Now we're here in three of third chapter of Colossians, and then. If ye then be risen with Christ, he's talking about a spiritual resurrection. If ye be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above. The word above is anno. You remember the word anothen, A-N-O-T-H-E-N? We are born from above. We're born from above in John the third chapter. And anno means above. Seek the things that are above, which are spiritual, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, and set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth. That word earth is the word gay, G-E. Gee, that's the same word in Philippians, the fourth chapter. Let's go back to Philippians, or the third chapter, excuse me. Philippians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. And it's talking about here why men hate the daily cross. They hate the daily cross because they like stuff. They like money. They like cars. They like houses. They like things. You know, I've been guilty of that in my past. I was probably in my 60s when I started saying, i got to stop looking at things and wanting things. The last time I looked at a car and I wanted a car, well, I looked at a uh, one of those Jeeps drove up beside me and it had the little pickup on the back up and a four-door and I thought that'd be nice to have. And that's the last time I ever wanted a car. Never have wanted one since. The more I teach, the more truth I say to people, the less I want stuff. What do you want at 83 that you're going to be able to keep very long? You're not going to keep anything that you you get at, at 83. And this takes me back over here to the third chapter of Philippians. And he says in verse 18, For many walk... Now, he's not talking about many false teachers or many uh, many people that are fitted for wrath. He's talking to the church at Philippi. Many walk of whom I have told you and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the 
Let me put it the way it's saying it. Of the daily cross of Christ. Many of the believers at Philippi are enemies of the daily cross. How can you say daily cross? According to what's going to be said in the next verse. Whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly. The belly was an Epicurean term. They said the desire for all of a man's sensual desires. This was Epicurus was one of the big philosophers of the first century. He said all of man's sensual desires comes from his belly. It didn't mean the stomach. It comes from his belly. Whose glory is in their shame and their mind is on earthly things. Their mind, their phroneo. P-H-R-O-N-E-O. Their sentiment. Their desire. Their sentiment is own. It says earthly, but the word is gay. It's dirt. It's soil. They like dirt. Everything you look at, everything you can see is dirt. Your neighbor is dirt. You're dirt. Go look in a dirt mirror. It all came out of the ground, didn't it? All of it. Your house is dirt. Your cars are dirt. Your diamond ring is dirt. I keep saying, uh, a diamond is nothing but a coal under millions of years of pressure. So the next time you want to get a diamond ring, just go get a piece of coal and put it on your finger. Same thing. Same thing. They mind dirt. Your The job you go to, the building is dirt. The car you drive there is dirt. The gasoline you put into your car is dirt. Everything you can see is made out of dirt that men like in the flesh. That's why they hate the daily cross. The daily cross crucifies their dirt. Doesn't it? Now let's go back over here to Colossians. In Colossians, that third chapter. Set your affections on above and not on dirt. Just put, when you see earth, just say dirt. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, it's hid in Christ with God. When you're baptized into Christ, you put on Christ. You're saved by baptism of blood. It's hard to come to this realization. It took me 60-something years to come to it. Probably 65 years to come to the place where I realized I'd been wanting too much dirt all my life. I don't care what kind of car I drive. I keep saying, Mary buys her car what she wants. She said, you can have what's left. I say, okay. I take whatever she doesn't want. If she wants this this little Mini Cooper bike, she can have it, and I'll take the RAV. The RAV is 22 years old. I just don't care about stuff no more. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, mortify, necro, oh, kill off. 
This is going to tell you how to get rid of the old man. Remember the word necromancy in E-K-R-O-M-A-N-C-Y means to talk to the dead. Necro means kill off. And this is, how long is it going to take to kill off all this? A long time. 50 years, 40, 50, 60 years to kill off self. That is spiritual circumcision, getting rid of the flesh. But it's going to take a spiritual baptism, a cutting off a spiritual circumcision. God, when the Bible says that God will circumcise your heart, there in the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy, If God does it, how long does it take Him to get rid of your desires? A lifetime. Yeah. It's taken God a long time to get rid of my desires for me and my glory. When I was 30, tell me to give up my singing. I'd say, are you out of your mind? That's what I felt back then. You had never heard my high seas, have you? So this whole chapter really tells you how to get rid how to get rid or circumcise the heart of its wickedness. God's circumcision is like a long time happening. It doesn't happen one day. And mortify when Christ has come, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Here's the things you have to mortify. Fornication. How long does it take a man to get rid of pornea? Now we do get the word porn from that. But it doesn't just mean to look at naked men and women. It means idolatry. And idolatry comes from ido. It is ido, lo, la, tria. Ido, lo, la, tria. Ido means to see. La, truo means to serve. It means to serve what you put into your eyes and your ears. Boy, that's that's a lot. Does it mean? For a man not to look at naked women, yeah, it means that. That is something every man has a problem with. Now, nobody can tell me what men think because I am a man. And you'll have that in your mind. There's a difference being... There's a difference in temptation and yielding to temptation. The temptation is there when you look upon a beautiful woman. I don't care how old you get. Men tell me different than that, and I'll just say, well, you're a liar. Because I know what it's like. To get rid of it is a lifetime. So how long is it going to take God to circumcise that part of you? Maybe when you're 90, I guess. Maybe fornication, uncleanness, 
akatharsia, A-K-A-T-H-A-R. We're talking about becoming unclothed with this outer man that gets in our way. A-K-A-T-H-A-R-S-I-A. It comes from the word katharos, K-A-T-H-A-R-O-S, which is that form right here. Katharos, we get our word cauterized from that, C-A-U-T-E-R-Z-E. When you cauterize a wound, you cleanse it. The alpha in front of that negates the word means unclean. Whatever's unclean in your eyes and your ears, you got to get rid of it. We're talking about what it takes to circumcise. This is getting rid of all of your problems in life that leads you away from Christ. Then he says, uncleanness, inordinate affection. Boy, that's a hard thing to get away from. Pathos is the word affection. Inordinate means what is just overwhelming your body and your mind with desires that you don't have any right to. It's the affection is the word pathos. Inordinate means what is overwhelmingly against the nature of yourself that you have no right to. And then he says, evil concupiscence. That's amazing there. Kakos is the word evil. Concupiscence, this is one of many times they've translated concupiscence into epithumia, which is the common word for covetousness. E-P-T-H-U-M-I-A. Kakos epithumia. Evil. Longing for that which is forbidden. Epithumas. It means to superimpose upon your life hard breathing. I want her. I want him. I want that car. I want that. And I'll do whatever I have to do to get it. Have you had that in you? Huh? (laughs) I have many times. I want what I want regardless. That's inordinate affection. Something that you're not supposed to be doing is saying, I want that car I saw it on the, on the showroom floor, and I want it, and I don't care what, I have to work three jobs to get it. That's an inordinate affection. I want that woman, I don't have to, if I have to divorce my wife to get her, I'll do that. Huh. Covetousness, which is idolatry. <laughs> Pleonexia. P-L-E-O-N-E-X-I-A. That's covetousness. It means to want more any way with avarice, 
fraudulent extortion. I can get it. That's what I want. I'm going to get it if that's what I have to do. This is called spiritual circumcision is what it's called. Then he says, which things say the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. He's not talking about the devil's children. He's talking about God's children that are disobedient to him. They possess all of these desires. Have I? Yeah. I hope it's in the past. Because, boy, this is a battle to get rid of these things. And then he says, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. That word wrath is the word orge. O-R-G-A-D-A. O-R-G-E. Ada is feminine gender. It's the wrath, the rage of revenge that a man wants to get on somebody because he's been cheated out of something. You're not supposed to ever get that kind of wrath. That's not of God. In which you also walked sometime when you lived in them. When you lived in these things of the past, you walked in them. We've all been guilty of that. The Bible says such were some of you. In which you walked sometime when you lived in them. Now you also put off. Put off. Apotithomai. It's an imperative command to all the believers. Imperative means a command. That's not an invitation. He's saying, I'm demanding you put it off. Put off all these. Anger, which is the word orgay. God hasn't appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. Obtain means to be surrounded with with, surrounded with salvation, there's only one thing that's around us. That's the blood of Christ, death to self. The opposite of a blood baptism is the orge. Orge is the most miserable thing that Christians can live in. You can't say, I'm going to get angry at people and I'm proud of it. There's nothing to be proud of. It'll make you miserable the longest day you live. Having anger, wrath. That word wrath is the word thumu. Just rage and anger, T-H-U-M-O-U. Thumu means rage. We're not supposed to have rage of any kind. Malice. Kakia. K-A-K-I-A. It's a form of the word kakos, which is the word evil. It's an evil feeling toward other people. We're not supposed to have that. If you can ever get a hold of this chapter, this chapter will wear you head out. This is one of my favorite chapters about spiritual circumcision. Blasphemy. 
blapto female, blapto and female, P-H-E-M-I. It means to speak against words of God that are spoken. Don't say, I don't think I have to do that. You're talking against God. Embrace these words and say, i got to start dealing with them. If I have to deal with these every day, why don't you? I'm having to deal with them every day of my life. Why doesn't everybody else? You say, I've got it together. I'm okay. No, you're not. If I'm not, you're not. There's no temptation taking you, but such as has come to man. And I'm a man. I know what I have to deal with daily. (sighs) Filthy communications out of your mouth. That doesn't take a whole lot of understanding. Filthy communications is, is using the wrong words, cursing. Even sometimes when you think it's not wrong, it is a curse word. I've had people step out here in the parking lot and use the P.O. word, and I'm not talking about post office. And I use that, and I've said, what are you doing? That's a cuss word. Did you know that P.O. was a cuss word in the 50s when I was a young teenager? Only the bad boys used that. And for some reason, Christians think, I can get away with this. No, you can't. Not around me, you can't. P.O. Yeah. Well, you can't figure that out. I ain't going to tell you. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. He's talking about you put off this old guy up here in the previous part of it and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image in him that created him. Living like Christ is its not hard. It's easier. The only reason men use cuss words is because they want to sound tough. That's the only reason. If I'm around somebody that uses a cuss word, I just say, where'd you learn that? Did you learn that in Sunday school? I'll say anything to them. I had a guy down here. I was working out of gym. He said, Hey, Jim, is S-H in the Bible? I said, he used the word. I said, that's a good word. I like that word. Let me tell you what Paul said in Philippians, the third chapter. He said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was was circumcised the eighth day in Israel. I I was a member of the southern kingdom. And he said, I counted all these but dung. I said, that's the word you're looking for. It's called scubalon. He said, and he went, <laughs> he was just looking at me like, he didn't know what to say. And every time I saw him after that, I'd walk by and say, hey, Eric, how you doing? He said, oh, hi, Jim. He was afraid I was going to give him another definition. And I told him, I said, if you get another one of those words, bring it to me and we'll talk about it, okay? Did you know every cuss word's in the Bible? Including the F word. It's all there. So what I do, I take them to the Word of God. 
If they're going to cuss, I'm going to say, well, that's a good word. Some guy says, hell, I recognize that. I know that. Yeah, that's right. That's in in Luke, the 16th chapter, where the rich man died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Cried Father Abraham, Send Lazarus to dip his fingers, water and cool my tongue, I'm tormented in this flame. And I said, I like, that's a good word. Get, bring me another word, okay? If you will explain these words from the Bible, they won't know what to do with them. It embarrasses them. I was always preaching to him at the gym. I was about 60 years old then. And he'd come up and said, is the S word in the Bible? Yeah, that's a good word. Then he says, We've put on the new man in verse 10. This is circumcision, God cutting off the old man. We put on the new man because we put on Christ when we're baptized into Christ. Put on here going to be identified with Galatians 3.27. Many have been baptized in Christ have put on. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, gnosis, you get to where you read the Word of God and you know something about it. After the image of Him that created Him. Image, icon, likeness. That's what we're predestined to. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew. What do they mean by that? Everybody in the world in the first century was called a Greek because the Romans were ruling, but they had no culture whatsoever about them. So they had retained the Greek culture from 300 years before, retained all of their philosophies, the Stoics, the Epicureans, the, all the rest of them, and they had retained their culture and their way of thinking, and they all spoke the Greek language. So that's why he says there's neither Jew nor Greek, circumcision nor uncircumcision, so it doesn't matter whether you're circumcised or not. Barbarian, Scythian, bond or free. Christ is all in all people. Put on therefore. Now he's going to tell you, put on. In duo. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy Hagios. Hagios means pure, single. You got two men. One's the inner man, the outer man. When you you got the inner man Christ in you, but most of what's alive and well is the outer man, which serves the law of the flesh. And it might take God forty years to clean up that inner man, that outer man with tribulation and trial and persecution till you get to be old like me and all you got's a thin veneer of that outer man that's left. I'll be glad when another ten years goes by. Maybe I'll have nothing left of this outer man. I'm not asking you to do something. I'm telling you what God is requiring of all of us, including me. And then he says, put on, therefore, holy and beloved, agapatos, agape, A-G-A-P-A-T-O-S. It comes from the word agape, which agape, Second John 6, 
This is agape that we walk after his commandments. So he's saying, walk after the commandments of God as the beloved of God. And then he says, bowels and mercies. Bowels and mercies is one word in the Greek, splanchnon. S-P-L-A-G-C-H-N-O-N. S-P-L-A-G-C-H-N-O-N. Splanchnon. We get the word spleen from that. They said that when you saw something and you had mercy on it, you did something about it. The word mercy is the word eleo, E-L-E-O-O. It means when you see somebody in trouble, you reach out for them. You try to pick them up. You try to do something for them. You say, I don't have much. Well, you could buy them a loaf of bread, couldn't you? And then he says, kindness, crestatos. Kindness, crestatos, is related to the word creo, which is the word anoint, and we're anointed with truth. So give them some of the anointment of God. And he says, and humbleness of mind, tepanao sofrene. Tepanao. T-A-P-E-I-N-O-O S-O-P-H-R-U-N-E. It means humbleness of mind means to be humble. It means to cut down self. Boy, this is a lot of requirement in Colossians, the third chapter, isn't it? Meekness, protes. Tame. Quit being the wild guy you were when you first come to Christ. Long-suffering. Macrothumia. Macro. M-A-K-R-O-T-H-U-M-I-A. Macrothumia. It comes from thumos. And macros, which is the word long. It means suffer a long time before you lose it. Put up with a lot. They're not, we're, that's what we're, gosh, this is a lot of requirements for a believer, isn't it? Goodness gracious. You mean I have to do all this? You gotta try to do all of it you can. Forbearing one another, forbear, and echo means to put up with a lot. A-N-E-C-H-O. To hold up. To put up with a lot before you lose your temper. Forgiving one another. Forgiving. We've said you can't just forgive without repentance. Rebuke a man and if he repent, forgive him. But forgiving one another. One another. If any have a quarrel against against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. But how did he forgive us? If we repented. And he didn't go out passing free repentance to everybody. Forgive everybody. I hate to see some woman on the TV and some guy killed her son and she said, I want to forgive them. The guy sat down there growling. He didn't want forgiveness. Withdraw from him and leave him alone. You're not supposed to forgive people that are not repentant. 
so also do you and above all these put on charity put on put on as the same meaning as put it on Christ have baptized into Christ have put on Christ this is all the baptism that we're baptized with put on Christ above all these things put on charity agape which is walking in the commandments of God Second John 6 which is the bond of perfectness teleotes t-e-l-e-i-o-t-s teleotes means completion has basic the same meaning as the word completion when the church is complete when you become complete in Christ you will have put on all these different things it's the bond. Bond is the word sundesmos. It means the joints and the ligaments are tied together in Christ. Sundesmios. Sundesmios. S-U-N-D-I-S. D-E-I-S-M-O-S. Sundesmios, M-I-O-S. Sundesmios means the ligaments of the body of Christ are being bound together. That's where the church is bound together. I'm out of time. Well, I never thought I'd get through this third chapter of Colossians. And I've got much more to say on that bond of perfectness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. God, I pray for the church that they'll be strengthened and help them to understand they have to work on this thing that is putting off this old man and putting on the new. It's not something that happens overnight. It happens over a long period of time. And Lord, forgive me for not being patient with some who are not as far along as you've brought me. Let me be patient with them, but not participating in their sin. Just help me to understand that takes time, just like it did with me. Lord, I pray for the flock, wherever they are across the world. You'll strengthen them and help them to be what they need to be and that they can be circumcised in this spirit. And we'll give you praise for everything. Fight our battles in Christ's name. Amen. Boy, that third chapter of Colossians is just a powerful chapter.